0: Well, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning service here from Elgin Baptist Church. Thank you for joining in with us. Our prayer is that as we gather together to to worship God and the singing of his praises and the listening to his word, that he by the Spirit may minister to our needs. Writing in the first chapter of his gospel, uh, John says this, The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. Our opening song of praise is you're the word of God the Father. Followed by may the peoples praise you. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name. As we come to you this morning we do so in and through the name and the completed work. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us and who gave himself for us, the one who is the Good Shepherd, the one who is the Chief Shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the sheep. And it's clothed in his righteousness that we dare approach your holy throne Lord and we thank you that we have this access. And as we come to you this morning we ask that you would forgive us for our sins and shortcomings we pray father and give you thanks for all your goodness to us we thank you for our health and strength our soundness of mind and body we thank you for homes and for family and for friendship lord we we thank you Uh, For this local church and and pray your blessing upon all that we seek to do in and through the name and power of the Lord Jesus. We pray our father for our nation at this time. We continue to pray against the coronavirus. We pray that it will be eradicated. We, we see that in different parts of our nation there are various uh, spikes of it again and, and, and we just pray, Father, uh, for a complete eradication of it. We pray for those who are suffering, uh, even this morning, from the effects of it, Lord, that, that you would lay your healing hand upon them and, and that you would once again uh, restore some form, as it were, of normality to, to our lives. Father, we we forgive us when we take so much of what we have for granted. You've blessed us in so many ways. And we just thank you even for the technology uh, that enables us to to gather together like this this morning. And so would you help us and be with us as, as we sing these songs and as we share around your word. May the Spirit of God take the word of God and use it to bless the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen amen well boys and girls i thought i might tell you another holiday story and this week i want to tell you about the house that we were living in it was a big house it was a house that had lots of rooms it had a big garden it even had a pond and it had great views you could sit And you could eat your your breakfast or or your dinner or your tea and and you could look out the window and see all the lovely hills that were all round about us. It was such a good house that I didn't want to leave. but, But I had to. And I'm hopefully going to get it booked up and go back again next year. And as I was thinking about that house... And how I'm already looking forward to going back to it. I was reminded of something that Jesus said to his disciples. It's found in John's Gospel and in chapter 14. And Jesus says this. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So not only can I look forward to going back to that nice house that we had in Keswick, I can really look forward to one day going to a very special house, one that Jesus has prepared for me. But how can I get there? Well, that was a question that one of Jesus' disciples asked Jesus. Thomas said to Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus said this to Thomas. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And boys and girls, this special house is in heaven. And the only way we can get there is by putting our trust in Jesus. And when we do that, we will have a home there with Jesus forever and forever. We're going to sing about that now in your little chorus that says, I've got a home in gloryland." Land. The reading this morning is taken from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. So let's hear the word of God. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you. Mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father. Your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God. That he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen. May God bless not just the reading, but our understanding of it as we come shortly to look at it. We read there in verse 10 concerning Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We saw with the boys and girls that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Our next song reminds us of that. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Let us pray. Father, we come to your word this morning. And we pray that just as it came to the church in Thessalonica all these years ago, so it would come to us this morning, not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We saw last week that this young church was a church whose work was produced by faith, whose labor was prompted by love, and whose endurance was inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mentioned that there was something, if you like, of the past, the present, and the future tied up in that. And in verse 10, where where they turned, and they served, and they waited. And as we look at verses 4 to 10 this morning, we see that same structure. The past, the present, the future. Where Paul speaks of where they have come from, where they are now, and where they are going. And verse 4 is the heart of the chapter. Verse 4 is the turning point, because there in verse 4, Paul reminds them that they have been loved and they have been chosen by God. I want to share with you this morning three distinctive marks of this church at Thessalonica that are as true today for any church as it was back then. We will see that the church is elect. We will see that the church is evangelistic. And we will see that the church is expectant. So firstly, the church is elect. As I said, verse 4 is a crucial verse in all that follows. Because there in verse 4, what Paul is doing is he, he is reminding them regarding the assurance and the knowledge of their salvation. We know, he says, and he goes on to tell them that they are loved and they are chosen by God. You see, friends, the church is made up of those who are cherished, called and chosen of God. I mentioned last week that the word church means a called out people. And here Paul is touching on the doctrine of election. Sadly, what we can find is is that when this doctrine is spoken of, when when election is is, is discussed, this kind of choosing by God, uh, it causes in some confusion. It causes others to be frightened. It it, it causes others to be thrilled by it. Others to be kind of against it. And, And what we find is strong opinions can be stated. Let me say right at the outset that we will never be able to fully understand the total concept, nor plumb its unfathomable depths. But that does not mean we ignore it. And for the child of God, he, she might not be able to explain it. But you sure can enjoy the blessings of it. You see, friends, God has always been in the business of calling out people. Right from the very beginning, he did it with Abraham. He did it with the people of Israel. And he still does it today. And in all of these cases that I've mentioned, we see that it begins with God. A point that Paul makes to the church in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, where he writes these words. But we always ought to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved. The same point is made in Ephesians 1 verse 4 where Paul writes, For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world. Indeed, Jesus in John 15 tells us that you did not choose me, but I chose you. So to dismiss this election, this this choosing, is actually to deny parts of scripture. But notice carefully Paul's order of words here. For he speaks of how they are loved by God, then chosen by God. It is God's love that for want of a better word causes him to choose us. And Paul brings together here both the love and the election of god indeed it is his love that brings it about we see that again in the new testament with his calling of of israel in in, in deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 6 and 8 we, 6 to 8 we read these words the lord did not set his affection on you and choose you you see the same order there he set his affection and then chose because you were more numerous than other people's but it was because the Lord loved you. God's love is the catalyst for his choosing. And and the glorious thing is that we can know that love, and we can know that choosing as a reality. Alec Moiter, in one of his books, says this. In the Bible, election, God's choice of us is presented not as a theological conundrum to solve, but as evidence of God's inexplicable love for us. God loves us, and God chooses us, for no other reason than he loves us. And he loves us not because we are instinctively lovable, but because he is love. I don't know if you have ever heard it said, I'm sure that it doesn't apply to anyone listening, but I I, I wonder if you've ever heard it said about a couple, I, I, I just don't know what he sees in him or her. Well, he or she, because of love, sees what we don't. Friends, that for me is the wonder of God's love, of God's electing, of God's choosing, of God's salvation. What did he see in me? He loved me. He chose me. Ere I knew him. And so often, we can get caught up with trying to marry up God's electing and and, and our responsibility. Well, let me lovingly suggest you can. And while they may seem to the human mind to, to be paradoxical, scripture actually holds them in tension. Yes, God's elect, yes, God's chosen, but also in scripture we have the whosoever will. And Jesus in John chapter 6 verse 37 holds both intention, And indeed he brings them both together when he says this. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never drive away. I like how Warren Wiersbe puts it. He says this, as far as God the Father was concerned, I was saved when he chose me in Christ before the world began. As far as God the Son is concerned, I was saved when he died on the cross. As far as God the Holy Spirit was concerned, I was saved and for me it was Sunday the 7th of June 1981, when I heard and responded to God's word and to God's call. When, as verse 5 says, the gospel came with power, with the Holy Spirit, and brought with it deep conviction upon my soul. Let me say that that is my prayer, brothers and sisters, that the gospel, that that the word of God, that it might come not just with words, but with power and with the Holy Spirit and bring not just deep conviction, but bring comfort and challenge and encouragement. Brothers, sister, to be loved and to be called and to be chosen, to be elected, is to be part of the church. The called out of God. So firstly, the church is elect. Secondly, we see that the church is evangelistic. We have already noted their work and labor. And in verses 6 through to verse 9, Paul speaks of another eshe- other essential ingredients of this, as he calls them in verse 7, model church. So, what kind of church do we want to be? Well, let's see what kind of church the the church at Thessalonica was. First of all, we see that they became imitators of Paul, Silas and Timothy. But much more importantly, they became imitators of the Lord Jesus himself. How did that work? Well, they saw something. They saw something in Paul and in Silas, and in Timothy, that they sought to imitate. Why? Because Paul, Silas, and Timothy sought to imitate Jesus. And, and, and there is a challenge there for us all, but, but especially those who, who may be older in the faith. Remember, this was a young church, And they saw something of the Lord and Paul, Silas and Timothy. They were new Christians. What do new and young Christians see in us who are older in the faith? What is it they see that they would seek to imitate? Would you be happy for them to imitate? But notice how they also welcomed the message with joy. That is... They they, they joyfully received God's word. And they did so even though, as we are told, they suffered severe suffering. And, And again, the challenge is how do we receive the word of God? Do we joyfully receive the word? Do we look forward to it? Like the two on on the Emmaus road, that does our hearts burn within as the scriptures are opened up to us? And it is as they imitate Jesus, it is as they endure suffering, it is as they receive with joy the word, That they hear, so they themselves become a model to all the other churches round about. And and notice what Paul tells us from verse 8. He says, the Lord's message rang out from them. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but but actually everywhere. You see, here is a church. Here is a group of people who have heard the message. who, Who have received the message. And who now are ready to pass on that message. They are a church that has a heart for mission and for evangelism, both at home and abroad. They had an evangelistic zeal. They worked and they labored and they endured and they imitated and they preached and they lived out the gospel probably recognising that that is what Paul and the others did for them. And and, and indeed, Paul makes that very point. Why, when he says in chapter 2, verse 8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, and and there only is one gospel, we we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This message, this gospel, is for sharing. We are to go into all the world. It is good news, friends. It is great news. It is life-transforming news. And it is for everyone. And we begin at home, and we reach out to all. Who and how are we evangelizing? And it is the role of the whole church. And I am convinced the way that we will see true, true church growth, that is people being born again of the Spirit and added to the church, is when we all play our part in evangelism. When we all take time, as Paul says in the verse I quoted earlier from chapter 2, verse 8, To share not only the gospel, but our lives also. With those we rub shoulders with every day. And we'll pick up more of that next time. But incidentally, did you notice the priority and the order of that verse? As I said, we'll look at it in more detail next time. It is the gospel first. We must be, as one of the best books I have read for a long time, is entitled, A Gospel Driven Church. It is the gospel that must must drive us. The church is evangelistic. We all love to hear good news. We all love to share good news. And we all have a responsibility to share this good news of the gospel. There's a lovely little account in the Old Testament, Second Kings chapter 7. And, and, and there is an account there of, of four men who, who, who had leprosy and who were outside of the Israelite camp. And, and it was a time of famine. And, and the, the enemy camp was nearby. And so they decided to go over to the enemy camp in, in, in the hope of getting food. When they got there, God, the 2 Kings 7 tells us, God had caused the enemy to flee. And as the four men entered into the camp, they, 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 they couldn't believe their eyes they they, are there before them there was no no one but there was food and and, and there was drink and there was silver and there was gold and there was clothes and and, and they kind of helped themselves and and they took some of it and they hid them and then in verse 9 we read these challenging words where they say this to one another we're not doing right this is a day Of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. Brothers and sisters the church at Thessalonica heard, believed, discovered, found this greatest of all news and they didn't keep it to themselves. They set about working, labouring, enduring, preaching, spreading the message. Let me just say Marrying our first two points up together. Election does not excuse evangelism. Election does not excuse evangelism. Paul writes in Romans 10, How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Go and make disciples of all nations. That's been the rallying cry to the church from its foundation and it will remain till its end. And it was from this young church that the message rang out and the word used here means to to, to sound out, to, to kind of peel, to to boom. It, it, it's, it's also likened to, to the sound of a loud trumpet. They, they, they evangelized not in a whisper or a whimper. Uh, they evangelized as, as we might say today, they shouted it from the rooftops. And in verses 9 and 10, we see something of what that message entailed. In that it calls for a turning to God from idols. Friends, the first step in becoming a Christian is to turn, is to repent from our old ways and of our sin and to turn to God and to walk his ways. The next evidence is that we engage in serving the living and true God. That there is no other God beside the God of the Bible. And he's been made known in Jesus. And his church is made up of God's elect whose role is to evangelize. Finally, we also see another characteristic of the true church. And that's from verse 10, where we see that the church is expectant. Verse 10, we read, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. They are, as it were, both working and they are waiting and as we saw, they are waiting in the hope that is inspired by the return of Jesus. That is what keeps them working while they wait. And what a hope in prospect. And what expectancy awaits. Because here, Paul is referring to the return of the Lord Jesus. Friends, the Bible is clear that one day Jesus will return. Jesus who was crucified. Jesus who was buried. Jesus who was rose again. Jesus who ascended on high. What same Jesus one day is coming back again. So get excited about it. But also get ready for it. Because as the verse tells us. It is Jesus and Jesus only. Who can rescue us from the coming wrath. You see. There is a time when God will judge all the earth and it is only those who know, who trust in Jesus who will be rescued, who will be saved from the wrath that follows the judgment. These are serious matters. I urge you to consider them. The word that is used here for wait means to wait with patience to wait with confidence to to wait in anticipation friends on the authority of god's word i tell you jesus is coming again and as christians we are to be expectant as christians we are to be excited but above all we are to be ready And we can only do that when we turn to god when we confess our sins when we put our trust in jesus when we turn our eyes indeed when we turn our hearts to him the church at thessalonica as we've seen over these past two sundays we're in god and in christ They knew grace and peace. They loved one another. They prayed for one another. Their work was produced by faith. Their labour by love. Their endurance inspired by hope. They were elect. They were evangelistic. They were expectant. And the gospel rang out from them. May we be like And may we look expectantly to that day when, in the words of the old hymn, the trumpet will sound for his coming. The skies with his glory will shine. One day, my beloved one's bringing, glorious Saviour, this Jesus is mine. He's mine. I trust and I pray that he is yours also. Father, we thank you for your word. May we in our day turn from idols. May we serve you, the living God. And may we wait for that blessed hope that is ours, the glorious appearing again, Of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Our final song in the last verse picks up that blessed hope when it says this, turn your eyes to the heavens, our King will return for his own. Every knee will bow, every tongue will shout, all glory Jesus alone turn your eyes upon Jesus and now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, Amen, Amen. Well, thank you once again for listening into our service this morning. If you would like to know more concerning the Christian faith or becoming a Christian or of us as a church, then please do get in contact with us. Details of how to do that will appear on the screen. But uh, thank you once again, and God bless.